You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to be honest with you. Every time before I get up to preach, I get, I'm so nervous. It just is. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. It's just like, like every time I get up to sing, no matter how many times I sing, every time I get up and I'm getting ready to sing, I start getting butterflies in my stomach and I start getting nervous. And I feel that every single time I get up to preach, uh, I have that, I just feel a little anxious and a, a little nervous. And praise the Lord, he always uh, helps out big time in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Looking forward to jumping into this chapter. I originally had no plan on jumping into chapter 13 of just going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But after I went through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and I was reading chapter 13 in my devotions, I thought, wow, this is so powerful and, and, and I've never really understood the significance and, and just the depth of chapter 13 without having before studied through chapter 12. So I think there's just some really good information. I think there's some really good context here. And let's see what God has to teach us tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I do not have another four months, so we will only do the first three verses. Although I would love to do the whole chapter, but you know how that goes. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, read along with me. Paul speaking, of course, to the church at Corinth, and he says after the whole verse or after the whole chapter of chapter 12, now verse 13, this is what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, or we also use the word love, charity, love, and have not charity, I am become as sounding, as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries... And all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and, and I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day today. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. God, I pray that you will just give me the words to say tonight. I pray that you'll show us some truths from your word as we unpack these three verses of uh, the first beginning of the love chapter and just uh, help us, Lord, and just be with us and give us attentive ears and attentive minds and pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> now, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Next week is Thanksgiving. I can't believe it. Right? Next week? I believe so. And I uh, can't believe it's upon us already. You cannot be unaware that Thanksgiving is coming up if you have any type of technology at all because everybody is pushing Black Friday sales upon you already. Actually, they've been pushing out Black Friday announcements and things that are coming up for like the past month. Pretty much as, pretty, pretty much as soon as um, uh, Halloween ended, they're like, Black Friday's coming. Um, and of course, after Thanksgiving, we have... Christmas. And as I was thinking about it, um, there is, when we were growing up, one of the things that we did most Christmases is we watched a Charlie Brown Christmas on, 
uh, TV. Uh, almost every year, it's just one of the movies that they had on. And uh, I remember every time we would watch A Charlie Brown Christmas, my dad would say almost every time, this, is, this was one of your grandpa's favorite cartoons. <laughs> Do you remember saying that? Every time, this is one of your grandpa's favorite cartoons. Every year when that would come on. And uh, so I can't think of um, Charlie Brown without thinking about my grandpa White. Um, and so anyways, in, in Charlie Brown, if you've ever seen it, you know, um, whenever an adult is talking, uh, particularly like their teacher, um, they make a very, you don't hear the teacher talking. What you hear is, wow, 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 wow. And the kids are usually there falling asleep or pretty much paying no attention at all to the teacher or to the adult that is talking. Um, have you ever met somebody that when they're talking, you pretty much are hearing wah, 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 wah. And they're just going on and on, and, and, and all you can think about is, how am I going to get out of this conversation? I just want to leave. I don't know how to do it respectfully without just shutting them off. And then you got those people that just can't take a hint. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's social cues that you pick up on when somebody's, like, ready to be done talking with you, and they start, like, glancing away, and you're like, okay, they're, they're ready to wrap this conversation up. But, like, those people, every time you back up, and they just keep, like, following you, it's like, oh, oh not. Yep, I'm in the bathroom now. Yep, yep. Uh, locking the door. It's like they just won't, won't go away. But, but why is it, when we hear people talk, why do we... What about them communicating and what about them talking makes us hear just, you know, wah, 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 like, oh, no. It could be that every time they talk, they're talking about themselves. You know anybody like that? It's like every time they talk, it's just about them. And I love talking about other people, but, you know, it's like that's just every time you talk to them. It's this is what I did. This is what I'm doing. It's just all about them. And it's like, wow, that just gets really old, you know. Um, but maybe every time they're around you, maybe they're gossiping about somebody, or, or maybe, they're, maybe they're just, they're, they, they just are always putting people down, and, um, you know, or, or maybe they're just talking, and it's just like, it, it's just dumb. Does that make sense? Like, there's, the, the conversation's not going anywhere. There's just, I don't even know how to, what word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm talking about. It's just like, this is a pointless conversation. Or maybe every time they talk to you, that you feel like they're lecturing you. There's just really nothing life-giving about the conversation uh, that you're talking about with them. Let me ask you this. Why do people tune other people out? Uh, if you ever find somebody tuning you out when you're trying to talk to them, uh, this chapter talks about how we can get people's attention and how we can keep people's attention. Uh, this verse, this chapter will really help us in communicating with other people. And this chapter, especially these first three verses, well, actually the whole chapter, but we're not going to get into the whole chapter, but it really teaches us how to get maximum um, influence over people, how to have the maximum influence over people, how to maximize all of your communication and your talking with people and, and having influence in people's lives. Um, all of us are influencing people, and, and I hope we all have a desire to influence people for the better. You know, especially as you become a parent, your great desire is to influence your children, to follow after the Lord, to, 
spend time in their word and to, to read. But, you know, it all comes down to communication and how we're talking. So this chapter is going to talk about how to do that, or specifically these first three verses. Okay, so we've come through chapter 12. Chapter 12 was all talk, totally talking about the body of Christ. All right, I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. <laughs> you know, you were here. Um, it talks about what it should be, what, it should, what the body of Christ should look like, how it should function, what the different spiritual gifts are, dangers um, to, to be aware of in the body, like envying other people's gifts and the dangers of pride about your spiritual gifts and the functions that you have. And it talks about unity and the purpose. So, so we came through chapter 12. So, so in the context of chapter 12, hopefully you guys remember what we've been talking about. In the context of that, now comes chapter 13. And it's so important to remember that as you study through the scriptures, the Bible was not written in chapters and verses, okay? The Bible was, like right here, this was written as a letter, okay? Just like if you were to write a letter to somebody, you would want somebody to read the whole letter and un to really understand what you're talking about, not just take little slivers. Um, and so it's amazing how even just little chapters and words can speak to us, but how it even speaks to us, I believe, on a deeper level when we get a broader context of what's being talked about. So he's talking about the body of Christ, talking about the spiritual gifts. Remember, people are dealing with pride about spiritual gifts. People are dealing with insecurities about spiritual gifts, and, and that's what it was all about. So now, that's what, he, that's what he was just dealing with. Now here we are, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So, as Pastor said, this chapter of the Bible is known as the love chapter. Whenever I say love in teen class, I always make the teen say, ooh la la. <laughs> I'm not going to make you guys do that. But this is the love chapter, all right? So throughout this passage, the word is used love or charity. And, and it's, it's, it's the Greek word, and I am no Greek theologian or anything like that. So don't, don't, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that. But I feel like this really does help in context, it is the word agape, all right? I'm sure we've heard that word before, agape love, all right? You might have heard it, you might not have. Um, so this is the word agape love, and I think uh, to have a better understanding of what agape love is, we'll talk maybe about some of the other types of love that are found throughout the scriptures and, and what those mean. But you know, in the English language, we have one word for love, and that's the word love, okay? Uh, Clearly I can't. But, you know, when I spent time in the Philippines, one thing cool about, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I learned the, the, the Ilango language like I wasn't fluent in it, but I picked it up and I was able to communicate somewhat within that language. And this is what's really crazy is that there's words in Ilango um, or like whatever language you talk about, there's words in that language which we don't have in English that they can use to deeper describe certain things. It's really a cool thing. Um, same thing with English. We have some words in English that they don't have in their language that help describe things. So in the Greek, there is four words used for love. Of course, we have only one. And each word used for love or each way that it is used describes a different part or a different element of love. All right? 
So let's just go through the four so that we can really truly understand what this agape love is and what it is not. Um, there's a passionate love, or I don't, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, but a euros love, E-R-O-S, euros love. This would be like a physical type of love between a man and a woman. Um, this would be the type of love like somebody has a love for power, like they love power, they love wealth, or they, they love fame. Um, uh, this, so, so this is a type of love that comes from our, our, our own passions and our own desires. Um, so for example, in English, I would say I love ice cream, but I also would say I love my family. Clearly you guys know, because you know English, that I'm not talking about the same type of love, right? It's like that's a very different type of thing. So, so but back then they'd use two different words for that to describe what they're talking about. So this, comes, this type of love comes from someone's inner desires or inner passions. Now this could be used for a good thing, this type of love. So for example, I hope you love doing a good job when you do work, right? That's my deep passion and desire is to do a good job. I love doing a good job. I love doing that to my best of my ability, taking pride in our work. So it can be, but often this type of love is used in a wrong way. All right, our own passions and desires. This is where immorality comes out of this type of self-love or greed or immoral passions or, or any type of indulgence comes from this type of love. All right, um, It's just interesting to note that this type of love is never used, even though this is the Greek word, this type of love is never talked about in the New Testament. But just to have the concept that that's what it is. Then there's what is called the affectionate love or a strong love. This would be the type of love between a parent and their children, okay? Just a, just a, a strong love for them, all right? Or between a, a really great leader and those that follow them. You know, there's those, those leaders that, you know, they would do anything for. I think about in the scriptures, they talk about a bond servant. That person has a deep love for his master to the point where he willingly puts himself under, even though he could be free, puts himself underneath that, that leader's care for the rest of his life because he loves his leader so much. That's the type of love we should have for our pastor. Amen? Uh, that type of affectionate, deep, strong love. Then there's an enduring love. This is a love that cherishes, all right? This would be the type of love a husband has for a wife. It's just like, you know, you love your kids, but it's a different cherishing love that you have for your spouse. Um, this could be the type of love between like two brothers, right? Two sisters or, or siblings, just a deep, deep love. Um, I, when I was studying through this, I thought of the thing that popped into my mind was uh, Anna Green Gables. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Anna Green Gables. And Anne had a very, very close friend and she called her her bosom friend. She's like, you are my bosom friend, all right? And, and as I thought, I was like, that's what she was trying to communicate. You are such a deep, close friend to me. Nothing will ever break our bond of friendship, all right? So there's that type of deep love. Then there is agape love, okay? So this is the fourth one. This is the type of love that's talked about in this chapter, all right? Agape love. This is, um, um, oh, that previous love, I, I believe the word for it is phileho love. So this next one is agape love, all right? This is a selfish, selfless, sacrificial love that is talked about here. Agape love is a love of the mind, of the reason, and of the will. Um, this is a love that goes so far, 
This is the type of love it is. This is the type of love that loves a person even when they don't deserve to be loved. You love that person even though they don't deserve it. You love a person even though they are utterly unworthy of love. They're unworthy of it. The things that they've done, the things that they've said, the way that they act, they are totally unworthy of this agape love. This is the type of love Jesus Christ has for us. Amen? Is that agape love. We have done nothing to merit the love of God for us, and yes, yet he loves us so much. It's a sacrificial love. Christ sacrificed himself for us. This is probably, in my opinion, the hardest love to develop for people. Um, this type of love forces us to make great sacrifice in our lives. Um, not only that, this type of love runs the risk of the other person not giving us that love back. And, but it, that doesn't matter. Um, I think another reason this love is so hard is because we don't get anything from this love. Like all those other loves, you get stuff from it, right? Um, you know, your love for your spouse and they love you back or, you know, your love for ice cream, Mm-mm-mm, fill my tummy. And so all of those other loves, you're getting something, but agape love, you, you, you don't get anything from it. It's, it's a totally, completely sacrificial, um, surrendered love. You, you actually love people to the point where you actually risk them despising you and um, resenting you for the agape love you show towards them. It's really, it's really just such a, a deep understanding to understanding what is agape love. You know that if you express this type of love, doing the best for them, they may actually resent you for that. So now that we understand the type of love that's being talked about here, just because I think it's important, because I, I think, you know, our world is very confused about what love is, all right? So now that we understand, let's see what Paul has to say about agape love and how that applies to the body of Christ. Um, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, or this agape love, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So Paul uh, is talking about the spiritual gifts here. He's talking about the spiritual gift of tongues that was so sought after in this church, right? Um, I'm assuming he probably uses the, the, the gift of tongues first, probably because it was the most in my, I'm just thinking this isn't fact, but I'm guessing it, it, it probably was the most hotly, um, it was the, the one that was causing the most contention that people were wanting and people didn't have. And, and oh, you got that one and you got the, the gift of tongues. Ah, oh, lucky. So I'm just guessing that that was the gift that was causing a lot of problems. So that's the first one that he uses. That's not fact. It's just possible observation. All right. Um, so, so he's talking about this was the big one. This was the gift of tongues. And um, Obviously, those that had the gift of tongues probably had a tendency to get lifted up with pride, all right? Because it was such a vocal, such, a, such an obvious gift that everybody could see. So Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Now, I know this is what's so cool about the scriptures. It's so easy to just go over passages, but 
sometimes there's so much significance in, in what's said here. Note the phrase where he says, I am become. This is a very important part because this is, this is literally what he is saying. This means that at one time, at one time, that, that spiritual gift that you have, that spiritual gift that he was exercising, at one time, that gift had the potential to be used for great things. At one time, that gift that God had given him, uh, specifically there, the gift of tongues, or, or put any gift that you want in there, at one time, that gift had the potential to be used for incredible things. If it would have been surrendered over to, the, to God and, and been used in the spirit filling, the things that God could do with that spiritual gift. But this is what he says. I am become. I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It had so much potential, and now people can't even stand being around me. That gift I, God gave me had so much potential to be used, and now all I do is annoy people. You know, you know, not only, if you look here, think about this. I am become as a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. So not only, think about this. Maybe that gift had so much potential, but think about this. Maybe at one time, that life that he's talking about was being used in incredible ways. Maybe at one time, um, that person was exercising their gifts. Of course, Paul's talking about himself here. But maybe they were exercising that gift and, and God was using them and, and, and they were leading people to Christ and things were blessed and things were growing and everything was incredible. But then they lost their love for other people. And, they, and of course, the only reason we would lose agape love is because we love ourselves more, okay? So uh, the pride of loving yourself and agape love, they, they just, they cannot go hand in hand. You can't have both. You either are full of pride and you love yourself or you love other people. It's really just almost impossible uh, to have the two. So maybe, maybe there was a time where God was doing just such incredible things and, and they were using their gift to the max potential and it was awesome, but they started losing their love for other people and they become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You know, it doesn't matter what we've done for Christ in the past. We all have the potential of being lifted up with pride. Um, we all have the potential of, of letting that self-love and that self, just that, that, that pride just sneak into our own lives. You know, this is a sober reality, to, a sober reality to think about and to deal with. That is a potential we all have. And it's always lurking there for everyone. And Paul, this is what Paul is saying about himself. If I had those gifts, and I had that, but I lose my love for people, I am become worthless. We can never depend on the victories of the past or our walk with God in the past. We have to go with where we're at right now. Was there a time where God was really using you and you were used to do things for him in the past? Time in the past, back then? Is that what you are always looking at? Is that your justification for where you're at today because you think about all the things you did do for God in the past? You know, you know what this makes me think of in physical terms? It makes me think of that guy that's like 35, 40 years old and he's still wearing his varsity jacket from high school. And he's, he's always talking about that, 
that final football game where he threw the game-winning touchdown and it's, you know, like the, the jacket's all ratty because it's like 20 years old and it's like, dude, that, that was great, man, but you know, that was like 20 years ago. We gotta move on from that. And they're like, yeah, but let me tell you about how awesome that game was. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's like, they're so focused on the victories of back then and they just, they can't look to the future and see the reality of where they are right now because they just keep looking back at the past. You know, Paul said to the Galatians, he said, ye did run so well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? They were, they were doing so good. What was it? What was it that tripped you up and that hindered you? Let me ask you this. Can that happen to people? Absolutely. Um, let me ask you this. Can that happen to churches? Absolutely. Um, I think of churches that, you know, they're always talking about the good old days. Or, or they're always, you know, we used to have 400 kids in the bus ministry. You know, and they're, or we did this and we didn't. They're always looking at the past. And it's like they think about the past to justify you know, kind of what's happening and the decline and, and how poor things are going right now. But they're like, yeah, well, don't think about how good things were in the past. Without love, this Paul says, we become useless. Without agape love, we are useless. Where are you today? Are you looking at the way God used us, used you in the past, used our church, whatever? I don't, used your family? Are you using it as a justification for where you are today? Is your life filled with the wrong type of love? Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, this agape love, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So what is Paul saying here? He says, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. This is what he's saying. When people hear me talk, the sound that they hear is like banging brass and a tinkling cymbal, and that's all they hear. You know, kind of like we talked with the Charlie Brown thing. They don't hear what you're trying to say. They don't hear what you are trying to communicate. What you might be trying to communicate to them might be actually really important. It might be super important. Actually, we have the greatest message that can ever be communicated to mankind, the message of the gospel. But if you are not communicating out of love, you are as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. People that don't use agape love and don't have that agape love, when you're trying to talk to them, people know when you don't have that. People can tell when you're communicating with them whether you have an agape love or whether you don't. That could be our children. That could be your boss at work. Employees. Husband or wife. Friends. Ministry workers. A pastor to his congregation. People know what type of love you have for them and whether you truly have agape love. You know, I was trying to think. That's where this comes into play. Trying to think, what does it sound like when you are trying to talk to somebody and you, are, and you do not have agape love? What is Paul saying here? A sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. 
Don't worry, we're not getting a drum set. All right. This is literally, here we go. We got a symbol, right? Got a symbol here. And let's see what it sounds like when you are trying to communicate and you are not full of agape love. A pastor preaching to his people. God says you should... And don't you... Is that annoying? Yeah. Have any of you ever heard a pastor like that? Um, when we were on the... <laughs> when we were on the guys camping trip, um, we looked up, we were looking up YouTube videos of um, Jacob Miracle and I were of um, preachers uh, just not being filled with uh, agape love and just laughing about it. But, they, you know, that's literally, it was painful to hear these guys ripping their congregation, you know, kind of like, I got a Bible and I'm going to beat you over the head with it. It was brutal. All right. A parent to their children. Think about maybe your parents when you were kids. Honey, if you ever... And don't you ever... Right? Or you could be... <laughs> How many of you, that's your boss when he comes in? A, nag a nagging wife? Controlling husband? Oh, how about this? How about this? Actually, my dad and I were just talking about this. A politician, right? You know what? I am so grateful for the policies that Trump puts forward. But I am here to tell you, when most people hear Trump talk, That's what they hear. That is, in my opinion, that is by far the biggest hindrance to his being in office is because he does not communicate agape love to people. Right? And I mean, think about Obama. When he would talk, he was so gracious and the way he communicated, and even though he had the worst policies on the, in my opinion, like some of the worst policies that we've ever had in our country, people listened to him because he communicated love and graciousness when he talked. So, so literally, that's what Paul is saying here. Unfortunately, in my life, I've sounded like that, talking to people. That's been my communication to people. So what you just heard there, let me ask you, is that the way you sound when you talk to people? You know, I was thinking about people that <laughs> talk to me. Um, sometimes they sound like that. But this is self-evaluation. Is that the way you sound when you talk to people? Are people annoyed with us? Do our, does, does our talking with them drive them nuts? Do they feel like they're trying, they need to get away from us? Do they give us those blank stares when we're trying to talk to them? Paul says, if people, if you do not have agape love, 
that is what you will sound like. People won't hear what you're trying to say. You will be as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. A loud, annoying sound, and people will just want to tune you out. You know that obviously this just isn't applicable for the church, for the body of Christ. This is applicable for your family. This is applicable for your workplace, the place where you work. This is really true in any relationship that you have. Like I said, a boss with employees, employees with a boss, friends. Any motivation to use your gifts besides genuine selfless agape love is corrupt and will fail. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. So this is what Paul is saying here. He says, even though I have the greatest gift, like, you know, the one you guys are all fighting over, I got the gift of tongues, and I don't have agape love, it's pointless. No one's going to hear me. Now this is what he's saying here. I mean, he really ups the ante here. He uses three gifts here to contrast what having true agape love is. So first he says the gift of prophecy. All right, so think about this. The gift of prophecy or, or somebody has the gift of speaking and, 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 and uh, understanding the inspiration of God's spirit and, both, and, and able to predict the future and, and proclaiming the truth of God's word. And they might have all the charisma and all the giftedness and, and literally the greatest communicators on planet Earth. But if they don't have love, they're nothing. You can be the most gifted communicator, but if you don't have love for other people, that true, genuine, selfless agape love, you are nothing. Not only that, not only is the gift you have worthless, you're worthless. And of course, Paul is gracious enough in this not to say you, but use himself as the example, but that's what he's saying. I mean, imagine if, imagine if I... You, you walked by, and I was talking to somebody, and you heard me say, listen, i got to be honest with you, you're worthless. <laughs> you, you are worth nothing. How many of you would be like, listen, that's a little, that's a little rough. Maybe you, that, was a, that was a pretty, pretty harsh thing to say, right? I don't care who you're talking to, that'd be super harsh. But Paul, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is pretty much what he's saying. Think about your life. Think about your family. All of those things. If you don't have agape love, your parenting is going to be worthless. Your work relationships are going to be worthless. Your service to God is going to be worthless. So he talks about the gift of prophecy. Then he talks about, listen to this. This is crazy. Um, he talks about the understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge. So, so think about this. Take the sum total of all of the world's knowledge, take every book that's ever been written, everything on the internet, get rid of everything that's not true, boil down everything that is true that we know about science, you know, um, agriculture, business, whatever. Take all of that and put it together. Paul says, if I know everything there is to know, I literally have a triple doctorate degree on every single topic on planet Earth. Imagine I have that, de that, that depth of knowledge. I know it all. And if I have all of that, and I understand all mysteries, you know, I thought about this. Think about how many people study God's word for their entire life. Theologians upon theologians and 
I was just listening to this interview with this one theologian, and he has written 130 books in his lifetime. I just can't even, I can't even wrap my mind around that. Like, I can't even wrap my mind around writing more than one book in your lifetime. 130 books on doctrine and on all these things. And in the interview, he talks about how he feels like he knows so little about the scriptures. Okay? So Paul's saying, I know everything there is to know about the world. I know everything there is to know about the scriptures. So I have all knowledge, all understanding. And if I don't have love, I'm worthless. Then he talks about faith. He talks about the gift of faith. Of course, faith is a very special gift that God gives to some people. Some people are just people that trust God, and God does amazing things. We have um, books that, that, that um, just talk about people's lives and how they had faith and what God did and how he came through. You know, incredible stories of people that with faith. But this is what Paul says. Take the sum total of all the faith that every Christian has in the world and put it all together. I have all faith. Every bit of faith that can possibly be mustered up that God has allowed man to have, I have it. So imagine that. So listen, not only does he have all, all knowledge, all wisdom, all faith, he's got everything, everything that you could possibly want. And remember, he's talking to the, to the church at Corinth who are bickering and fighting and, and having all these turmoil over their individual gifts. And Paul's like, listen, you guys are having all those problems about all these individual gifts. If I had all of the gifts that you're fighting about, every single one, and I had them, and I, and I put them all together. Not only that, they're all maxed out, okay? You can't have any more faith than I have. You can't have any more knowledge than I have. I have all of it. So I literally have everything. And if I have all that, and I don't have love, agape love, not love of self, not love for things, not even the love of a, a spouse, but agape love, the deepest love, most affectionate sacrificial love that there is. If I have all those things and have not love, I am nothing. So think about this. This is, this is what Paul's getting at. The spiritual gifts, all those things. Agape love should be the fuel that runs our spiritual life. Okay? That's the, it's, it's part of the you know, obviously, I mean, that's not a perfect <laughs> description, obviously, because we need to be filled with the Spirit and all those other things. But think about it. Everything we do is out of a heart for love for other people. Not selfish motives. I mean, think about this. Sometimes, sometimes, when you're correcting somebody, when, when you bring correction into someone's life, and you have, and listen, as you grow, and as you become parents, and as you become in areas of leadership, you have to do that. Okay, that's part of your job. But when you bring correction into people's lives, is it because you genuinely in your heart have a deep desire to see them succeed and have the best in their life? Or does your correction communicate selfish motives? Maybe you're embarrassed of the way that they're making you look. Right? I mean... Do you have a deep desire to see them succeed and, and to see all these things and to genuinely help them? And do they sense that? Or do they think you're just doing this because of the way it makes you look? You know, as a boss or, or as somebody in, at, at work, you know, as you bring correction, is it because you genuinely have a heart for your employees and you genuinely in your heart, you want to see the best for them? Or is it because the stupid things they're doing is hurting the bottom line? 
right? They're, they're doing all these things and we're losing money. So it's like, okay, we got to take care of this. That's not agape love. That's genuinely love for yourself, you know? And listen, I understand that's, that's how it works, but let's, let's search our hearts. Paul says it needs to be agape love. A selfless, genuine love for other people that goes much deeper and farther than any type of love for ourselves. Think about a husband and a wife. Think about much of your interaction together. How much of our communication, a lot of it stems from our own, we're just thinking about ourselves. And listen, I'm by far above the most guilty one here when it comes to being selfish. I just am. I'm always catching myself just being selfish. Do you have agape love for your spouse? For your children? And listen, agape love isn't just something that we flip the switch and all of a sudden, okay, yeah, we have this total selfless love. This is something that, that people understand because your life has had a character of showing this to the, you know, as a parent, showing this to your children all growing up. You know, you just don't, you just don't not care about your children their whole lives, then all of a sudden you want to have an agape love for them, and then they're like, well, you know, gee, I would have loved this like 10 years ago. So it's really, guys, it's not something that just we can flip a switch and do. This is something the Holy Spirit's got to do through us. This is something that God has to work in and through us. And of course, Jesus Christ was the ultimate example of agape love in sending his son down to die on the cross for our sin, just through the whole gospel story of what he did, literally radiating agape love over and over and over again. If you want to understand what true agape love is, you can do two things. One, read the Gospels, see what Jesus did. He literally, everything he did was motivated out of agape love. And number two, you can read through the rest of chapter 13 because it describes for us what that agape love looks like practically. So ask yourself here tonight, what type of love is fueling your life? Is it love for ourselves, love for others, love for God? Yes, God has given us all spiritual and physical gifts. All right? We've established that. We all have that. But if your love for others doesn't exceed your love for yourself, Paul says those gifts are useless. Not only are they useless, we're useless to God. Useless, really, to the people around us. Imagine what our church would look like if all of its members had agape love. Imagine what your families would look like if husbands and wives had agape love for each other and really, really stretch your imagination and imagine what it would be like if your kids all had agape love. Kids just naturally are self-absorbed, right? I mean, it's just the way that they are. But it is not the way we ought to be. What type of love are you functioning out tonight? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening.
happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.